Hello everybody and welcome back to ESI for All, the Esports Insider podcast where we aim to shine a light on the diverse people and organizations that make up the gaming and esports industry. Today I have the absolute pleasure of speaking to Robin Gray, the co-founder of Gray Jones Media, the home to gaming magazine, the world's only LGBTQ video game magazine. How are you doing today, Robin? I'm good, Riley. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. Um, it's snowing here. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> If we need a bit of weather update really quickly, we're okay in Birmingham at the moment, um, but apparently it's rolling in tonight. So. Yeah, it literally only started, It's it snowed last night and it started about half an hour ago here, um, but yeah, it's um, still warmer than we were in Newcastle. Uh, me and Robin have spoken uh, at a few events together before, and the last time we saw each other was at Discover Esports in Newcastle, which was an excellent event, but... Newcastle is very cold. <laughs> a, fan- a fantastic event hosted in a fridge. Um, yes. Yeah, so. yeah. If you see any pictures from Discovery Sports, you'll see that we're all <laughs> wearing our coats on stage whilst talking. So um, we were actually on a panel about uh, LGBTQ plus issues in, in esports then as well. So that's when we had a chat and was like, I got to get you on the podcast. Let's have let's have a talk about it. So uh, tell me about Gaming Magazine. So, um, I mean, you did the introduction for us. So Gaming Magazine uh, has been going for, starting in 2019, four years this year. Um, wow. And so it's it, it was born out of an idea down a pub, as is all good ideas. Um, and somebody said that the growth of kind of LGBTQ uh representation in video games is out there there's a wealth of uh queer gamers that have been out there for donkey's years and yet there's been there's no place for them to coalesce um and we kind of took it upon ourselves as a media company so my company gray jones media we own a number of other um lgbtq websites magazines we call them um that all push into niches within the lgbtq community so whether it's bears over over 40 uh diverse travelers and so for us it was a very simple decision to sort of go actually yeah this is a really underrepresented group and that fits in our wheelhouse as a company uh very nicely so we then sort of launching forwards then that was that was in in february 2019 we launched in pride month june 2019 um to to an amazing sort of fanfare and now fast forward nearly four years we're reaching over a million and a half people a month uh all around the world and i think something that's really important for us as well is some of those emerging uh regions as well of representation out in asia uh which is fantastic to see as well with the growth of uh lgbtq representation particularly in in japan and east asia um and along the way we picked up a couple of uh um, things that come alongside it, which for us was really important and, and helped us on our journey with representation, which were the Gaming Awards, uh, which launched in 2021. And we're now into our one, two, three, third, um, third year of the Gaming Awards this year. Um, year one was completely virtual due to uh, the ongoing global pandemic. Uh, year two was hybrid, so based uh, we had a, a presence in London uh, and was broadcast online. Um, that was watched by 320,000 people live, which was fantastic. Uh, and year three now, we're jumping over the pond and we're debuting on Broadway. Oh, um, I'm so excited. That's is, is so incredible. Is a sentence incredible. that I honestly didn't think I'd say out loud um, anytime soon. 
but uh, yeah. we have an absolutely fantastic venue uh, that is literally more on Broadway than some Broadway theatres. Um, <laughs> we, we are literally uh, a, a block, a stone's throw from Times Square. I love um, that. So yeah, and 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 that's we, we we're moving into sort of like those bigger circles, and and I think that is testament to not only our success but also the importance and the 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 love that both the industry and the the fans have kind of uh bestowed upon us as a demonstration of how well we've been representing the community um and and, and gaming's mission has always been about uh a celebratory mission it's always been about celebrating successes i i, I think that too often sometimes we can get a little bit stuck in what i call hand wringing um and i think we don't take the wins when we have them um and i think as well i think i always have to be careful with this part um <laughs> there are a lot of award shows uh in the games industry that um have a diversity quota or have a diversity category that's kind of like it, this is our doing good category this is our kind of um special category yeah and um trying to wrap up the significant contribution to the global games industry by any kind of underrepresented or minority group in one award is tokenistic at best. Yeah. And and I think that for us, we, that was kind of where we set out to go, okay, we can do this. We can create, we've got 12 categories in the gaming awards uh, and, and it celebrates all facets from contributions in the industry to streamers, to content creators, um, and and then in-game stuff about kind of character uh, representation, authentic representation, um, and and indie games. So it's kind of there are multiple different facets. There's the being able to bury deeper down into that celebration of of LGBTQ um, contribution to to all of that success. And of course, esports has its category in there as well. Um, yes, yeah, excited about that. We we were talking about that um, in Newcastle. So really really happy to see esports. Um, getting its its light shone on it especially when it comes to talking about the lgbtq plus community because it's a big big part of esports and and it, it doesn't nearly get touched on enough so absolutely and and i think that's something that we've we set out so it's a year the first couple of years of us running gaming magazine gaming was very much focused on video gaming that was the kind of core programming if you will um of the magazine uh because that's what we set out to do um, and, and in those first couple of years, we had some great successes working with Xbox, working with other um, other industry bodies, other big companies, be it through some of our activations around DigiPride or whether it's just uh, ad hoc uh, contributions to the industry um, in a positive way. Um, and, and also elements where we've held a mirror up to the industry to go, no, this isn't good enough. And then a couple of years ago, I think it was, uh, we decided to sort of break out of our core programming um, and, and go after, uh, go after, uh, and, and push into kind of other um, gaming and non-gaming um, areas, so esports being one of them, where I think somebody, I, I don't think it was yourself, I think someone else said it, but basically said, you've done such a great job with ch affecting actual change in the games industry, come and do it with esports. Yeah. Um, we so I it. took that. I took that <laughs> as a personal challenge um, to sort of go and do that. Um, and already we're we're working with some fantastic names, doing some fantastic work, and 
and challenging people where needed and 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 celebrating because there is change in the esports world and i think that's something we need celebrating because the more that can be held up as a success the more other companies can go hold on a second you can do that and be financially Mm -hmm. successful Um, that's one of the things that we talked about in newcastle as well was like it's not all doom and gloom let's not try and because obviously discovery sports was like entrance to esports we didn't want to be like it's horrible here (laughs) we wanted to make sure that we shine a light on the fact that there is incredible change happening in the esports industry and it unlike the games industry and i think that's kind of like what gaming set out to do for the games industry is we weren't out there to kind of just um slam it we weren't out there to ignore it and just talk about um random fluff although we do do excellent random fluff um such as a fantastic journalistic piece bemoaning the loss of uh nightwing's uh bubble butt in, in the latest um game that was rest in peace fantastic fantastic <laughs> uh leading journalism um no that's top notch yeah i, I await many awards um but that was um but 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 alongside that the the success the celebrating success and i, I think that was we, we spoke to some companies very early in our days where they wanted to sort of talk about how their uh erg groups are doing great work internally um but they didn't want to appear to to gauche and, and I said, no, you have to, you have to be out there flying the flag. You have to say these things because as someone that, or as other people, I'm, I've got a good job, thank you. But as other people might want to enter the industry, they're going to be Googling, like, is this company great for um, LGBTQ employees? If, if it's proven that one of those companies has been doing a charity fundraiser for Pride for the last five years, um, and raise tons of money, then that's a great way of sort of putting that statement out there as saying, yes, this is a good company to work for. Yeah, absolutely. And so what is your personal history with esports? My okay. <laughs> My personal history with esports is is slim. Um I'll, I'll be I'll be I will be honest. Um but it's been one of discovery. Um and it's been one of very, very interesting discovery. Because it's it's I think I was probably part of that quite large swathe of people that initially was quite um, dismissive, perhaps of of esports in a sense uh, of sort of going I don't get this. But I think the second that I really started to plug into it, um, the second that I realised that that watching people play a game is no different from watching people play a physical game. Um, and that to me was something that the second that penny dropped in my head, uh, I was fully on board. I was watching, um, some fantastic stuff. I'm a quite a big fighting game, uh, sort of person. So obviously, um, being able to really kind of vibe with that, but also then discovering then we had a fantastic representation in that world with the likes of Sonic Fox, um, to me was kind of, yeah. And, 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 and I think it's that kind of there their um unabashed proudness um and an ability to sort of like really shout it from the rooftops um is matched with success like it, they're not just some random uh person uh that they're a world beater mm-hmm. and they have to be listened to and they have to be respected and i think having them lead the charge in that space has been vastly important to all of this as well. So I think, yeah, my 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 introduction to esports was quite gentle, um, but I think since then, um, I'm I'm been plugging into it a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I, but I, I I will give a shout out really quickly to Chris Kissack and and uh, Sally who 
did discover esports because actually for someone like me that's still a little bit wet behind the ears in certain places having <laughs> an event like that was actually really really important and I think 100% people could 100%. take a lesson from that in a sense that and, and this applies across the board it's not just an esports thing I think it's any industry but an industry that can get a bit carried away with itself having an event that really takes it back to basics really kind of does kind of events esports 101 we can get um, a bit gatekeepy as well like absolutely and and mm-hmm. i i know for a fact that me sitting here on an esports related podcast saying that i wasn't a massive fan of esports probably a few people have already turned off and is writing me some tweets or something um so i i think it's <laughs> we don't get that many viewers robin it's okay <laughs> oh, well okay i haven't had any haters yet so <laughs> I, was trying, I was trying to be supportive um <laughs> But um, but I think for me, it's kind of, I, I, I know that can rankle some people. Um, and I know that sort of saying like, oh, I don't watch that much esports. And like, well, what, 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 what are you doing in this space then? And it's just like, well, I, I do like it. I do get the idea of it. Um, I'm just not a massive sports person all around, as you can tell. Um, so it's kind of, for me, it's it's something that, yeah, it's a sort of, I suppose, loop back around the question. It, it's, it's a new thing for me, but mm-hmm. but I think it's something that I think has great power um that it needs to use carefully definitely definitely like we're in the very unique stance of being new and people will get mad at me for saying that as well but it is new it's the past the past 20 years like that's new in comparison to traditional sports when you look at that so at the moment i've said this in a past past podcast before but the rules for esports aren't set in stone yeah like there's still wiggle room there's still bending room there's still the ability to to create it into something that is inclusive and welcoming of everyone and I personally don't watch esports, but I work in esports. Esports is sometimes people get a bit like gatekeepy around the fact that you have to watch esports or you have to play esports to be a part of the community. And that's just not true. There's so many different ways that you can get involved in esports. Obviously, mine is more on the community side of mm-hmm. things and more like the EDI diversity side of things. But like, yeah, I mean, I was new to esports before I worked at ESI, essentially. Like I had some experience working with the Newell and I did games journalism at uni, which dabbled in esports. Yeah. But yeah, like it's 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 new to everyone. Like it is, <laughs> it, yeah. it, and but you know what's really fascinating is that like like the video game world as a whole, what's new is also very old. Because the mm-hmm. concept of esports has been around since year dot. And it only took me until a couple of years ago to actually realize that one of the very first winners of an esports competition, it wasn't called esports at the time, granted. Um, it was the Space Invaders Championship, I believe, um, <laughs> was a trans person. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's kind of, you, the, the, you kind of track that, um, that thread that similarly applies in, in, the, in the wider games industry, that thread of the influence and the the role that LGBTQ people have played going way, way back. Um, Becky Heineman is her name, um, who can be considered to be one of the first competitive video game winners. Oh, 100%. Um, back in 1980, something or other. Um, and, and there are other kind of obviously headlines all the way through that. I'm, I'm quite like my, I quite like my LGBT history, uh, video game history sort of thing. We did a good talk on it last year. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, it's, What's new is also old, and there's a real big footprint from the queer community in there um, along the way, similarly with women as well. 
Yeah, and that leads on to a question that I have, which was, how do you think the representation of LGBTQ plus individuals in esports compares to other aspects of the games industry? Um, I feel I've, I've always sort of said this out loud, which is I think the esports industry is possibly a few years behind the video game industry. And the video game industry is a few years behind the entertainment industry as, as a whole. So I, I, I do think esports is kind of towards the back of the queue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that to to sort of go back on what you said about the rules haven't been set for esports. Um, I think the the lack of some kind of I, I know there's a few bodies that are kind of, that are sort of competing at the moment to be the body of esports, um, but because there isn't any much regulation out there um, that kind of has to do the the enforcement side. Um, there are specific examples of representation that are done well. Um, the, the the problem is, I think at the moment, is there's more examples of, regist- of representation done bad. Um, mm. And I think that's down to money. Um, and I think that's what is regulating the esports industry at the moment is money. Um, Definitely. And, and, and money is going to go where money goes. Um, and until, until it, it, it's all well and good sort of saying like that, diversity is coming through and, and there's there's sort of all these all these these wonderful examples but but realistically until a big sponsor turns around and goes no we're not gonna uh provide a massive chunk of cash to your team or event or whatever until you sort out these issues um it, it's 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 sort of pushing water uphill a little bit mm-hmm. and when you look at where the money is coming into well there is that at as the well moment, that's yeah not that a massive priority exactly. yeah yeah that that does come with its own set of challenges and 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 alongside that where the competitions are being played that, mm-hmm. that are automatically ruling out the a attendance. large portion of the audience yeah, yeah because they physically can't set foot in the country despite yeah. any protection uh, any kind of guarantees of protection they may or may not be afforded um yeah. th- they just they just can't can't risk it Absolutely. And so I think to answer your question, I I think there's that there's good work being done. And I think there's there's strong examples um, coming up through the likes of uh, Valorant uh, with their game changes, um, that there are strong examples of all of that sort of thing. Ironically, there's there's actually more examples of representation being done in the games themselves, rather than the wider competitive industry. Um, so Apex, for example, fantastic example of representation that is baked into the game. Overwatch, yeah. um, good representation if you read the kind of surrounding story, but yeah. not so much in the game itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are other examples that I can't think of immediately. But if you sort of scratch into all of that, and we have those sort of highlights, that there's wonderful people that are, that are starting to kind of come up. I know that Xset has signed, um, oh, my brain's just gone dead. Exet signed a fantastic um, um, LGBT player. I think it's Ewok. Um, that recently, um, obviously, we mentioned Sonic Fox already. Um, so that in the player uh, space, there's fantastic representation. Uh, our current reigning um, gaming awards, esports contribution, LGBTQ LGBTQ contribution to esports award um, is Captain Fluke. Um, oh, I who love has Emmy. been an absolute trailblazer. Yeah, um, Emmy's incredible. In, in trans representation by, by literally transitioning on camera mm-hmm. uh, and, and having the having to kind of live that experience, but but being a beacon out there um, to other people. So it's all there. The, the saddest part 
and I think it's it's a historical thing, but I think we have to be always be looking at history and be careful not to repeat history. Um, when I first set up gaming, um, I actually Googled LGBTQ um, esports professionals. There's a list on on Wikipedia, uh, and there was quite a few of them that were marked as deceased, and quite a few of them were marked as deceased due to suicide. Yeah. And that's a problem. Obviously. That's a massive problem. Yeah, for, for something that all we... trans people, all all people in the LGBTQ yeah. plus community. When unfortunately you look at the statistics of suicide in comparison yeah. to the general population, Absolutely. something needs to be done. And and I think yeah, ge- general population as a whole, uh, LGBTQ general population as a whole. But if you then start taking the percentages of just that list, uh, it's quite high. And yeah. and that. You can never put two and two together, but the industry as it was or as it still is in certain parts um, is not supporting its players and is not no. supporting its staff. And no. I think that is something that intrinsically has to change in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And and in an ideal world, if there was a FIFA for football, if there was an RFU for rugby, um, if there was a kind of some kind of global body that um, could be able to sort of start to instigate some of this change yeah Yeah. that would be perfect um in lieu of that but understanding as well that one of those bodies is currently headed up by um various countries that don't like us anyway um then what's (laughs) we don't really hold out too much hope of affecting too much change in that space so that it comes back again to what i said about sponsors it comes back to the likes of those big sponsors to actually make a stand put some of that pride energy where that you come out with in june Put some of that pride energy into really starting to say we want to do some ch- real change here. Don't just change your uh, Twitter logos. Do something. We've exactly. talked about and, this and, before and, as well. And, yeah, and, and don't change your Twitter logos in only countries that are palatable to change your Twitter logos in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things as well, like um, more and more countries are starting to recognize esports as a valid career path as a valid sport as as something that they want to to back so i definitely think we're going to be seeing more and more um sort of like governmental Mm. involvement whether or not that's going to be a great thing or a bad thing like (laughs) like you said with uh like just picking the token number of people to fit like a, the 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 quota for diverse yeah. people, like whether or not like the government will introduce that and it will create more of a problem of just selecting people because you have to. Um, I think it definitely has to be an issue of caring. Like just be a, just be a decent person. I, I think. just think <laughs> has to be duty of. I think there has to be duty of care, and and I do, I do think as well there has to be, and this is going to be tricky, and I appreciate this in advance, and I, I'm probably going to get screamed at by a thousand people, but the that there is an issue in my brain about um a duty of care to younger players and to younger competitors that the the notion that a 14 year old can get a professional contract um that's worth millions and they just get burnt up spat out and they move on to the next poor kid it's that's that's a problem and it's a problem both ways because it's a problem about that kid as as a person um but it's also a problem going outside because there has been examples over the past 12 months where teams have had to cut their a, a troublesome player because they've been caught using racist or homophobic language in chat um and i'm not excusing that in any shape or form but equally if there isn't the education pathway 
realistically, they don't know any better. You've just thrown a million dollars at a 15-year-old and you've given no education. You've literally Not just taught them about them. the world at all. No, yeah. you've literally just grabbed them and go, right, here's, here's a, you're now a millionaire, go and play some video games. Mm-hmm. They think they're bulletproof and, yep. and, and they'll just carry on um, chatting in chat. I was about to say something rude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they'll just keep chatting in chat. And, and I yeah. think that's the... So again... It, human beings have to be human beings but but there has to be a duty of care to the people that you're employing so i i worry a lot about that and i know that again with good regulation in other major sports there are regulations based around ages of people and i think that's the issue is that i think other sports and i know esports has like mid-tier but i know it's the mid-tier that really suffers because it's got a great collegiate setup it's got a great top tier setup but it's that mid-tier Actually, there's some really good stories of good, diverse programs and education programs coming out of that middle tier, but nobody really bothers because the big boys just reach down into the collegiates and go, right, you, you're up here now. And that bit in the middle is skipped. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you look at football or, or rugby or cricket or anything else, that pathway is so important to a player's education because they get media training along the way. They get... um just brought up in a much more respectful way personally and a lot of but... times they have to have quote-unquote real jobs in order to support their esports yes. as well and yeah. that's a different yeah. experience that you get like yeah it uh... teaches them to be a human being rather exactly than, yeah yeah rather than hiding in a mum's in in mum's spare bedroom kind of yeah, thing. yeah. Um... until they can buy their own mansion like there yeah, has to be exactly. a yeah. step in between exactly for sure for sure but like also what you were saying about um supporting and making sure that support network is there it's the same goes for when a game like you said like apex like overwatch like valorant that releases like trans characters or gay characters it's like but then they do nothing to support the trans and the gay people that are joining their community obviously valorant's been really good at that and uh, i'm not i'm not going to just write off all the other ones that have done it but there needs to be let's Um, let's get the list out but there needs to be (laughs) some sort of moderation some sort of management in order that when you get this influx of diverse people into your community there's a support system there because you can't just bring them in yeah. And then open them up to all the hate yeah. and all the negativity it's, that they'll get from the rest of the industry. Absolutely. And, and that that's actually really important. It's something I know we touched on in Newcastle, which is the games you mentioned are, are they're, a, they're a mixed bag of whether they sort of stand by it or not. Um, and doing it for do, doing it for doing its sake, uh, dumping it out there and go right, we have some uh, trans characters. We then, as gaming magazine, go and say, hey, this game's got a trans character. All our readers go flocking over there. Um, They're all going, oh my God, this is amazing. And then they're playing it and they're being hunted and shot down because you're the trans character. And the the community managers and the game production people and everyone else is going, nah, in the background because they've hit their headlines, they've done their thing. Um, and and they're ha- they're fine with that. So it's kind of yeah. It's if you're going to produce something, stand by it and make sure that you are ready with a good and diverse community team that actually understands what it is you've just done. Mm-hmm. It's, and that's another thing as well. Like you said, um, 
if you're going to have community managers that are going to be dealing with issues surrounding LGBTQ plus issues, then hire LGBTQ plus community managers who, yep. who better to support somebody than somebody that's in the community with them. And that's also the same thing goes for all internal esports, like marketing yes. people, uh, social media people, events uh, managers, tournament operators, like hire diverse because yeah. they know how to deal with these issues and they know how to tackle them and they know how to create a space that they feel welcomed yeah. in, therefore will welcome other people like them. And also can be proactive in that space as well. Because I think that we, we've seen plenty of examples, you, you, the, the the wonderful memes that fly around in the, in the LGBTQ community as we approach Pride Month of, here we go again. Um, it is we see way too much of that of um the sort of the the pandering the 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 getting things wrong the we're only going to put rainbows on certain countries uh localized twitter accounts if you employ diverse people you will just make good diversity you you will just go do good things um I had to twist that out my usual uh, catchphrase, which is if you employ diverse people, you make diverse games because we're talking about something slightly different. But but the point still stands. If you, to your point, yes, you can be reactive and make sure that the people in there to help support. But the flip side of that, I think, is if you actually have some diverse people in your staff to start off with, the decisions that you make, the choices that you make, the 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 pride activations that you do, the the other activations, dare I say, all around the year that you could do as well, um can be done with more authenticity if you can't afford to hire people permanently just go and seek some consultants there mm -hmm. there are wonderful organizations out there that will do that for you and provide uh guidance not least ourselves um but but also there's other fantastic people glad i know has worked on a few video games recently um and done good results out of the back of that as well yeah, uh, my, the last guest uh, on the podcast was Alexander Nathan, who um, mm. does Permastand Gaming, which is an yep. all-disabled uh, esports organization. And when I spoke to him about how can we improve the accessibility of games and esports titles, his response was, hire disabled people yeah. to help you make the game. Like, it's... Quite, quite, quite literally. It's funny that, isn't it? If, yeah. if you actually, yeah, because I think it's... I think reacting to things is to being prepared for something that you've already chosen to do is one thing, but actually if you have somebody on board or, or people, multiple on board while you're kind of coming up with these concepts, you're going to avoid some of those pitfalls that you might have fallen into. Definitely. Uh, and so how can allies in the esports community support and advocate for LGBTQ plus community members well, i think it's i think it's what we we're just talking about i think it's a case of of support us and give us space um and i think be open to some of that change i i, I know that industries in general are always a little bit kind of hesitant about oh there it's the, the the woke agendas coming in it's like no we just want to play games just want to be with the friends yes yeah. <laughs> we'd like to hang out um and i think that it's it's it is a case of listening learning just providing some space we're not weirdos most of us um yeah speak, and I speak for that, yourself robin i'm definitely a weirdo yeah i try <laughs> um and i think that um i think it's a case of giving space it's listening it's opportunities like this it's it's ways like up in uh, more 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 panels uh at, at conferences that are not just this is our diversity panel that we're going to set the entire world right on diversity issues for the entirety of time in 45 minutes with a bit of Q&A. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it's bits like that. And I think it's 
it's making sure that your panels are diverse. It's making sure that you've got people from different backgrounds. They don't have to be, it doesn't have to be a diversity panel, just have diverse people on all panels mm -hmm. to be able to share their personal understandings, higher diversity. Um, but, but going back on, on allies as well, listen and, and react to what you're being told. Don't go out and do a survey and then sort of feel good about yourself saying, oh, good, we did a survey, but we're still going to go and do this. Um, listen to the results of that survey. Listen to the results of your staff that hopefully you've hired. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, I think we touched on some really cool topics there. Let's talk about the gaming awards. Absolutely, how, yeah. How excited are you? Uh, scale of one to ten, I'm going for about a nine at the moment because mm -hmm. a lot. How of work stressed done. are you? <laughs> That's about twelve. Um, <laughs> so uh, no, it, it's it's really exciting. Um, I, I'd I'd love to be able to say a date, and I almost said it out loud by accident. Um, but we are we are confirming a date uh, in a couple of weeks' time. It's mm -hmm. mid April. I can say that bit. Um, it's obviously live in New York. We've got a fantastic venue that has some wonderful LGBTQ history, actually. Um, as being an old speakeasy um, for theatricals uh, pre-legalization uh, of, of being gay. Um, so everyone just used to go and hang out down in the basement, um, having come off stage at the, at the local theaters, who'd have thought. Um, and, and yeah, we've, we've got Julia Hardy returning as host. Um, she's did a fantastic job last year and is going to continue to do a fantastic job this year um we are obviously still broadcasting live so you can tune in at twitch.tv slash gaming mag uh ign also supporting as well so we're going to be across all the ign outlets um yeah i mean and and we obviously have our uh nominee list that is already available uh which you can go and check out at gaming mag uh, forgive me gamingawards.com g-a-y-m-i-n-g awards.com um, which includes all the wonderful nominees that are out there, but specifically for um, the best LGBTQ contribution to esports award this year, uh, we got a really great mix of people, um, some of which we've actually already talked about. Um, so we have the Chicago Metropolitan Sports Association, which is a fantastic grassroots esports association based in Chicago, but actually has a wider reach, mostly around the US, but also around the world of LGBTQ people coming together to play a variety of different uh, esports um games um we have team overture which is a uh, wonderful diverse uh twitch team that, that very much focuses on esport content creation and some really good charity work that they've done obviously valorant game changers we've mentioned already um they set out to do obviously their they, their focus has been around women but they also include female identifying and non-binary uh people built into that as well so that they great representation of of that yeah, Sidebar. we had um, we had Ashley uh, on the podcast. Oh, for episode fantastic! Two, so wonderful. We, we, yeah, if you want no. to find out more about Game Changers, watch episode two. It's very good. Um, that so do that thing. Um, but then also we um, slight sidebar. I had a conversation once where somebody I think they were trying to gotcha me, um, but they asked me about my opinions on having kind of like um, women only esports spaces. Shouldn't it be equal? Shouldn't it be this, that, and the other? And it's like, as soon as you put more women on the on the main roster, then absolutely we don't need that. Until then, we'll It's a stepping to... stone. It's, it's a stepping stone. stone. It's it's demonstrations. It's it's sort of demonstration. Look at the success that has, that's come through um, in women's football over the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the way that's now elevated to filling stadiums and stuff. So and, anyway, slight aside. Uh, and, and also we have Exet. Um, and Exet have been doing some fantastic work up in the Boston area. 
and around the world, obviously through their through their representation with um, their team. So they're the four nominees. Um, we have a dedicated esports panel of judges. Um, a couple of people I've already mentioned actually through this podcast um, that are judging that. And that uh, also yeah. proves that there's not enough uh, representation in the community. If <laughs> it's like, we've talked about these people before, yeah, literally, yeah, there's yeah. not many more to talk about. <laughs> the, the, the standard set of names has come up. Um, yeah. But, but no, um, some, some great representation from different parts of the esports world. A couple of casters, obviously, one of which we have mentioned their name of. Um, uh, one of our writers, our deputy editor, who's, who's esports focused. Um, and also um, someone who works in the industry as a doctor. Um, so there's kind of like some nice groups, some nice grassroots built into that as well. So I love that. Yeah. So that's the Gaming Awards. Uh, again, gamingawards.com. And uh, yeah, something to look forward to. Really, really excited. Um, I'm going to try and get there. I will try and get there, but you know. Come over. Well, we're Sam, stay... let me go. Some... <laughs> yeah, this is me pleading to my boss yeah, to let exactly. me go. Yeah, exactly. Sam, just listen, listen to the podcast. Um... Yeah, this is also a good test to see if my boss listens to the podcast. So. <laughs> yeah. Sam, if you don't reply to this, if you don't tell riley she's not going she's then i'm go. going yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah, it's, the, the action point now is on you to tell riley that she's not going yes otherwise we've said it officially now she's coming and i am coming so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but no super excited i mean even if i can't make it i will definitely be watching on twitch very excited yeah. um uh do you have any plans to expand more into esports with gaming yeah so um th- there's a few bits that have been sort of flapping around in my head um we've developed really good partnerships with some um our charity partner this year is stream for a cause um they do some fantastic grassroots charity fundraising work part of that is through content creation through esports so more work there to be done um we've got some potential exciting stuff coming down the pipeline uh we're building esports into some of our um, big activations this year so we had digipride coming up in may june july this year we did do some esports some light esports uh in last year's digipride we're going to focus that into maybe a a weekend of esports that's kind of going to gather together all the kind of uh hopefully not all <laughs> but that, that also might explain the, the lack of representation as well <laughs> but um that a, a lot of lgbtq uh esportsy people can come and get can come together for that uh there's some other talk of wonderful things happening as well and then we've got gaming live which is taking place in late september um and again there's going to be a really significant sort of esports uh, contribution to that but going forward 24 25 um I can't say too much, but there, there are thoughts, processes out there, how we can we can start to get more involved, um, have more influence, maybe organize some things of our own um, that that would keep the rainbow flag flying um, around in the esports industry. So watch this space then. Watch this space. Incredible. Okay, so I'm going to move on to a couple of recurring segments that I've got okay. uh, in the podcast, just something a little fun. So the first one is two truths and a lie. Right. I'll be telling you two truths and a lie about uh, LGBTQ plus esports and gaming. And I need you to guess which one is the lie. Okay. Oh, oh God, you're going to find me out. Okay. Um, this is me now being a fraud. <laughs> so number one. Yes. The LGBTQ plus community is more likely to play games on the PC compared to the general population. Number okay. two, 38% of LGBTQ plus players have experienced harassment while gaming compared to 18% of non-LGBTQ plus players. Mm-hmm. And number three, 70% of LGBTQ plus players reported they would like to see more diverse representation in esports titles. Um... 
I think that's all. <laughs> I think they're all true. Um, I, sadly, I, I think the lie is the is the uh, harassment because I think that's significantly higher. Um, whereas I think that I know it, it would stand to good sense that LGBTQ people play more on PC because that's where all the indie games are, and people love the queer indie games. Um, and the last, the last one that I've just forgotten. Um, sort of rang sense as well. So I'm probably going to go for the rep, the middle one. The middle one is true. Oh. The lie is 70% of LGBTQ plus players reported they'd like to see my more diverse representation. The statistic is actually 90%. Yeah. I yeah. thought those statistics were quite low. So I, yeah. I think it was between... I knew the PC one was actually true because I'd written about that previously. Um, yeah, so... But, but the, that doesn't surprise me. It's PC it doesn't and Switch surprise that me. come out. PC and Switch come out the highest with... Yeah. Um, Especially because, that's because where indie games are. you told me at Newcastle something I'd never heard before, which was that people in the LGBTQ plus community spend more money yep. on gaming than Absolutely, the general population. Yeah, so, yeah we, we, yeah, we, <laughs> we actually use that as part of one of our sales pitches. Um, <laughs> but, but Nielsen did a study a couple of years ago that, that basically, yeah, it's, and it's a significant chunk of cash as well on a monthly basis. Um, LGBTQ people spend more on video games, they're more likely to own. Uh, a gaming system full stop uh, and they're more likely to be purchasing peripherals um all yeah, around it, than, which than was straight counterparts super interesting to me but yeah the the details of that one statistic so 48 percent of the lgbtq plus community pc game and mm -hmm. the general population is 39 percent. so yeah. quite yeah. a difference as well absolutely and, and and again that's the that's the effect of of indie games um telling authentic lgbtq stories and the last thing, uh, what three items would you take to a deserted island with you? Oh, um, um, it would have to be my Switch, because mm -hmm. I've got to play some Lego games. Mm -hmm. um, that's just how I survive. Um, a, um, take it, oh, food, I've got to take food, but that's not really the point. Well, no, we'll island. assume there's food on the island. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Uh, okay, so we're not, we're not talking real survival, that's mm -mm, good. No, be terrible you'll nice survive diet. without I'd these three I'd probably die yeah. immediately. Uh, switch, <laughs> um, it's going to sound all techy and boring, but it's going to be Switch, it's going to be tablet um, mm -hmm. to, to watch my shows, because I can't miss my shows. Mm -hmm. um, and I think um, I said my boyfriend, that's disgusting. So I'm not going to say that. Uh, um, I think your cat would be upset if you didn't say your cat. So. <laughs> yeah, I better say the cat. Although, she's texting yeah. me right now and she's like, I can't <laughs> See, believe. She's not. She's asleep down here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having to talk loudly to save her snoring. Uh, you know, okay, cat, switch and and tablet like i'm really i'm too techy to exist in the wild i'm not a i'm not a wild person. that's fine i mean joni from wiggy said gummy bears so yeah um... actually that's a good shout <laughs> bourbon biscuits actually you know what i'm gonna sack the cat off it's sack gonna be the cat off for bourbon biscuits. bourbon biscuits yeah that's fair bourbon, enough bourbon biscuits it's gonna be bourbon biscuits tablet and switch switch nice okay well that's that's great uh, i'm sure you'll have a great time um your tickets <laughs> have been much changed to be honest with you <laughs> Uh, I want to say just a massive thank you for coming on and talking to me. It has been incredible. And as always, we always get to cover some interesting topics together. And this won't be the last time me and you speak together on a panel because there's a lack of representation in exactly, the esports yeah. industry. I'll see, I'll see you at the next event. I'll see um... you at the next one on the Pride <laughs> panel. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> no, it's an absolute pleasure, and thank you for having me, and thank you to obviously ESI for for doing the the Lord's work in 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 sort of driving forward representation as well, and obviously you doing that. Me, no, I am doing the Lord's okay. work. Yeah, yeah, it's so, me. So, so ESI. It's it, thank you to Riley. Sam's <laughs> not watching for, for this. We've already we've, we've already, already established that. I'll see you in New York. I'll see you in New York. Uh, <laughs> where can people find you and gaming? Yeah, so gaming, uh, gaming mag, G A Y M I N G mag, uh, is basically every social handle we've got, um, including uh, Hive, if that's still a thing. If we're preparing for the, the doom, the demise of Twitch, uh, also uh, Twitch, Twitter, Freudian slip. <laughs> uh, Twitch is fine. Do not. Twitch is do not fine. Don't worry it. about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Elon hasn't got to that point yet. Um, so <laughs> you can't afford to. Uh, no, <laughs> um, I shouldn't take delight in that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so Gaming Mag at basically everywhere. GamingMag.com, the website. Um, Twitter for me, at that Robin Gray, R-O-B-I-N-G-R-A-Y. LinkedIn, Robin Gray. Incredible. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for joining me. And thank you, everybody, for watching. Um, I will see you on the next one. Goodbye.